Welcome to I Love My HBCU Question Mark, the podcast where we express our undeniable love for HBCUs, but where we are also not afraid to address a few tough questions. So, sit back, learn a little, love a lot, and rep your HBCU. I have Anaya with me on this week's episode of I Love My HBCU Question Mark. And I'm I'm always excited um, every single episode. So I think those who tune in are like, she's going to say, and I'm excited. I really am. But I'm really excited today because Anaya Chambers is at my undergraduate alma mater, which is... The Kentucky State University. And, okay, so... <laughs> So the producers know that I'm going to say this. You don't know that I'm going to say this. So when I was at Kentucky State University, I was a Whitney M. Young honors um, student, right? I am too, though. Look at the connections. Oh, my gosh. Look at the connections. I love it. I love it. But I'm curious. Is when I went, it was like maybe only three of us in the program that were Black? What's the racial, because for, for those who don't know, for listeners who don't know, Kentucky State University is in Frankfurt, Kentucky. Frankfurt, and Kentucky. When I went in 19, I don't mind telling what year I went, 1995 was my first year. It was uh, total student population wise, and I don't want to get the percentage wrong, but it skewed heavier to Caucasian than it did to African-American. And it is an HBCU. It's a historically black you know, college and university. So what's, I'm curious, this is just me being nosy. What's the racial mix now? Um, there's definitely more of us on campus. See, there's so when definitely... I went as well, on campus, there were more African-Americans and other. But when you looked at the total student population, mm-mm. The total student population, it's majority African-American students. There's that small percentage of the white students. And it's like, you almost know who they are because they play some sport, whether it's golf or volleyball or baseball. So it's like, you know who they are. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. So I'm going to put you on the spot for a hot second. When you hear a historically black college or, well, I'm just going to say HBCU, when you hear an HBCU, is your expectation that there would be more of African-Americans as opposed to other races at that institution? When I think HBCU, I personally feel like the whole campus is Black. But, you know, we live in a very diverse world and society. So, of course, you know, you have a sprinkle of, like, different cultures and different races around. But it's giving all Black everything. I hear you. I hear you. Okay, so Anaya, let's get into you. Anaya, you are a political science and journalism major. And I already spoke it into existence that in about 10 years, I'm going to see you on MSNBC. I'm going to see you on CNN. CNN. I'm going to see you even... I'm seeing all of it. All things journalism and politics, but keeping it real and raw. Nice. About everything that's going on in the world. So... I think it's fair to ask you then, since you're going to be one of these political analysts in the future, what is your take on our current uh, top runners 
for 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 the twenty for the next presidential campaign. Give me give us a quick. Here's what I think with regards to the Democratic side. Here's what I think with regards to the Republican side and also independents and third party nominees. Tell us, tell us what your thoughts are. Why are you doing this to me on the podcast? Because you're you and you can handle it. (laughs) If I'm being honest, I feel like the candidates all across the board, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah it's just it's different I feel like they are all older and I personally feel like there should be an age gap on on people who can be in office like anybody older than 65 mm -mm. y'all set in your ways y'all stuck in your time y'all not ready to see like the progressive growth of where the world is going at all so on the democratic side we have i forgot the lady's name and then we have joe biden because robert kennedy he now just became a part of the independent party along with cornell west so that's interesting all three parties having relatively strong candidates that's something that's new. Okay. And then okay. on the Republican side, I'd say it's just very radical. Very radical. So you're not going to like me. You're not going to like me because I'm about to put you even further on the spot. But I ask every. No. I am. Mm-hmm. I am. No. She's like, stop this. She says, stop this. No, but I ask every political science um, um, student um, this particular question. If if all we have left is the a choice between Ron DeSantis and I'm go, just going on the on the Republican side here, her eyes. Those who are only listening to us are missing all of Anaya's facial expressions because I love them. If the only two choices are Trump and Ron DeSantis, and you had to, you had to pick, who would you select? Maybe. Neither. And I'm I'm not going to push you on that. I'm going to leave it at that. We'll just go president-less for a while. I'll leave it at that. Yes. Because I feel like they're both extreme. So here's, here's what I'm getting from you that I hope. So I think they know. And by they, I mean those who are steeped in politics. I believe they know this. I wonder if they're listening is, is the, is the issue. Um, but here's what I'm getting from you. I'm getting from you that um, we need more inclusivity of thoughts, inclusivity of process, inclusivity of youth. In yes, like, yes we need <laughs> we need younger voices at the table. Like we are literally the next generation of leaders to come. So it's like we need more people who are just well-versed at the table, who, like, understand the growth and direction of the world. You know, like, at one, there will be, there will come a time that I'll be 65 years old and, like, no, I stand for this and this is how things are supposed to be. But it's like, you know, you got to take your hand, put them up and be like, you know what, let me train the next person to go into these spaces and they're not training these people. They're just trying to hold on as long as they can. Well, I, I hope, I hope, 
I hope they hear us as in those who are having these conversations so that mm -hmm. the multitudes of thoughts will inform how we move forward because there is definitely uh, an age uh, an age requirement to become president but no age if, but no age limit with regards mm -hmm. to when you can no longer run because if i'm hearing you correctly 65 might be the the last age the age limit at the top well, you when you can think, run like there's 75 80 80 but biden is over 80 years old yes so it's like things have completely changed from yeah. when he was 55 35 37 the world is completely different yeah yeah yeah. And, and to be fair, um, I, I think there's several who agree with you who are in that space. I know Mitt Romney, for example, stepped aside um, not too, too long ago um, in the process and said um, um, he just wants to give the next generation uh, an opportunity and a voice to make impact in the space. And um, those and I think he's in his 70s. I think he's like 77. He said those that but are at it's that like age. The younger people not even running. So, so, so that that's where I want to push you and I, right? So we're saying that the elders need to step aside and give space for the youth, but are the youth actually? And I'm going to be selfish and say, black youth, are they even interested in going into those spaces? And is it that is it an issue of interest or is it an issue of knowledge and access to those spaces? What do you think the issue is? I would say knowledge and access because. Nine times out of 10, even in like my home with my parents, it's not like they're pushing me like, oh, you should run to be a senator or a congresswoman. You know, it's like if that's some, if the conversation comes up like, hey, y'all, I'm thinking about, you know, running for to be the next president or the next congresswoman or senator of Wisconsin. It's like, oh, yeah, you know, we're encouraging you. We're pushing you. But out gate, it's like we're not having those conversations. And it's like, I know if we ain't having those conversations in my house, how many of my peers is really having those conversations in their homes? And then I would say social media has an influence as well. You know, the media only pushes out the bad side of being in politics. Not last, the, last question, last question on the politics side. Are we at HBCUs? So you talked about home and you're right. Home is where... Uh, uh, there should be freedom of conversation. There should be a uh, 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 versatility of conversation, but also, also in the college space, right? Are you finding that at, and I'm, I'm again, being selfish at HBCUs, are we engaging in as much civic engagement conversations that might lead somebody to think about what is a senator and what does a senator do? Uh, congresspersons, what do they do? How do I get into those spaces? Are we are we doing a good job? Are we doing a good enough job to encourage those conversations at HBCUs? I definitely feel like the conversations could be pushed a lot more. I would say students like myself and a few of my other peers at various HBCUs, like that's this is our passion this is stuff that we genuinely care about and love so we try to have those conversations with our peers but it's like it's either they really are passionate about it or it's like they're really turned off it's like it is what it is it's like history continues to repeat itself no matter what 
Anaya, so I, I appreciate you. <laughs> I, I appreciate you for answering honestly. And I also appreciate you for letting me go in heavy um, on, on your major. Like, <laughs> Yeah, you know, you kind of was strong. I'm like, I want this to come back and bite me one day. It won't. As long as you are being true to yourself, it won't come back and bite you. Just always, you said you want to be that uh, political analyst who is real and raw. Those were your words, mm -hmm. real and raw. Real and raw requires you in that moment to be authentic to your own voice. And you know what? Your voice can change. Your opinion can change. And as long as you can defend what your opinion is today, even if it comes back, not to bite you, just comes back to remind you is what mm -hmm. I'm going to call it. <laughs> Even if your viewpoints have changed, then just defend it regardless, right? Okay, but thank you for letting me go in. I went in heavy because I told her we're just going to have a conversation and I went straight to politics with you. <laughs> so thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, okay. So let's do something fun. I want us to do the rapid fire segment. 67 seconds are going, going to go on the clock and it will start at the end of the first question. Anaya, I love you. People are always talking <laughs> about my facial expressions when I talk. And any again, anyone who is not watching us on YouTube right now is missing all of her facial expressions. I absolutely love it. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> so we're sisters in that because I do the exact same thing. Like my eyes, my lips, all of it. I do all of it. Anyway, so 67 seconds. Are you ready for the first question? You know, I am. Let's go. Let's, go. Let's do Let's this. Go. Let's do this. You're at your undergraduate college graduation. Who do you want as your commencement speaker? Hmm. I would say I would say Etheray. Etheray because she brings the energy and she gives me that like black girl empowerment and she's like i'm rooting for everybody that's black so it's like i need that energy especially in the times of now anaya when's your graduation may 10th 2024 on my nana's birthday she actually knows the day i love it eight days <laughs> if Issa ray hears this Issa ray anaya chambers wants you as her commencement speaker kentucky state university may 10th 2024 i'm keeping my fingers crossed. i've heard her live she is amazing so i hope she hears this okay next question what's the best meal at your hbcu the calf be nasty okay we're gonna just leave it at that she said the calf be nasty so we're going to leave it at that we're going to leave it at that shout out your favorite professor my part does it have to be a professor it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't shout out to miss dunn she is the director of student support services and my sorrow but that's my home girl i love miss dunn and i gotta give it to kamia hervey she's over campus life they're my home girls that's I beautiful that's thanks so bad. to you when y'all see this just know nice how to go out 
I love it. Um, thanks to you, I'm going to now start branching out from just asking about the favorite professor. I'm just going to ask for your favorite um, administrator or professor on, on, on your campus. I love it. I ate up your 67 seconds. So I'm going to take the liberty of asking you one more question on the list. Describe yourself in three words. And you cannot use the three words that you shared with me just before we hit play. Go ahead. I am ambitious, blunt, confident. Ambitious, ambitious blunt, blunt, confident. confident. And that mm -hmm. ends the 67 plus, 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 plus seconds. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anaya. Anaya, um, I, I am not, I was not raised in the United States of America. I did not know what HBCUs were. So the fact that I landed at Kentucky State University in Frankfurt, Kentucky, is, is like what, what, what in the world? So you tell me, Anaya, what was your college journey in picking, or rather your selection journey in picking Kentucky State University as your undergraduate home? Um, I knew I wanted to go to an HBCU, but I wanted to go somewhere close to home, but not too far that my parents would come. And my parents don't even come at this point because uh, it's, it's only six hours away, but there's nothing really to do in Kentucky that they're interested in. But I've had a non-traditional college experience. So I went to the Army before starting my freshman year of college. But Kentucky State University allowed me to still do my classwork and stuff to be on track to graduate. But I also wanted to go somewhere where I was more of a name and not a number. And Kentucky State University has really allowed me to set myself up, but also set myself apart amongst my peers on campus. And to really be a voice and a leader. So I'm glad I came to the Hill, but I feel like everyone that comes to K-State has a purpose in being here. They may not realize it while they're here, but that's the after the fact, you, I don't think any of us who went in 1995 could be better ambassadors than what you just said. Um, you, wow. Yes, that's, that's everything you just said was amazing. Um, it sounds as if you have found home there, um, even though thanks to your parents, there's not that, well, your parents' viewpoint, there's not that much to do in Kentucky, but it sounds as if that's home for you. No, not home home, but it's like a, a distant home. I okay. really have found, I can say I found my my circle of like close people that I know genuinely love and support me and can tell me when I'm wrong, but also are rooting for me to succeed. Like they're really, they're there for me completely. I can say that. You said you feel like a name and not a number at Kentucky State University. Tell us a little bit more about how that has manifested. Um, I would say I feel like that has manifested just from the faculty, administrators, staff, just being so open and really focusing on the relationship building aspect instead of like, uh, I just show up here and I work in the registrar's office or I work in the president's office. Like they come out, they speak, they want to hear feedback from the students. They want our input. So it allows me to really be a leader. So it's like, if I have 
an issue or a problem, I can go to the president's office and say like, hey, Dr. Capo, let's talk about this. This is a, a, a problem that is on campus. Or, hey, Miss Dunn, you know, this is how we can get students involved in SSS. Or campus life, you know, here's an event idea that I have and I feel like we'll bring students you know, just on the yard or just in ca- to campus in general. So it's like they're really open and really focused on relationship building. So I was going to ask you, what does Kentucky State University get right for you? But it sounds as if you've actually just shared with us. What you know, they- because the university seems to always have like a negative light on them, especially in like news and media. But it's like, Coming here, I've really just found more of who I am and take advantage of opportunities to maximize myself and my experience. Like, yes, we're in Frankfort, Kentucky. There's not much to do, but it's like I can focus on learning who I am, but also finding those faculty members or those students on campus that, like, I can really bond and connect with and just be authentically who I am. So Kentucky State University provides an environment. What Kentucky State University gets right is that it it provides an environment that encourages you to truly find yourself as you go through the process. Um, mm-hmm. That that's that's not something I hear everywhere. So kudos to the entire community at Kentucky State University that provides that for a student like you. Um, where are you from? I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I know, right? It's like, how did you get to Kentucky? <laughs> Answer that part. How did you get to Kentucky from from Milwaukee, Wisconsin? I wasn't that's expecting you to say that. I know everyone doesn't think I'm from there, but myself every day like, how did I get to Kentucky? But when it came down to financials, K State was very cheap. Um, they worked with my situation, making sure that I stayed on track to graduate with being in the army. So it was like, why not? But my first time actually coming to campus was really the day I moved in on February twenty first. 2021. So, so I've never been to Kentucky. I was about to say, let's go backwards for a hot second, right? How did you even find out about Kentucky State University from Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Well, I applied through the Black Common app, but then one of my two of my mom's close friends, they also went here. Okay, but it wasn't like we were having the conversation like, go to K State. It was more like Texas Southern, Morgan State, TSU. Yeah, it wasn't giving K State, but I was like. Why not? It's something different. I didn't know anyone from my high school that was coming here. So happily, me and my cousin go to school together. But other than that, I don't know nobody in Kentucky. I decided to find my way. <laughs> so you might you might actually become a good uh, representative or an ambassador back if you not if when you go back to Milwaukee, um, start a nice alumni chapter if it is, does not exist and encourage more people because it's it sounds as if it was the right and the best choice for you even though listening to you it also sounded ever so slightly like an initial random choice for you and not the one that was even on a a a list of yours so it's sometimes the random choices end up being the best choices is what it sounds like to me 
Yeah, I don't regret coming to K-State. Of course. I don't regret coming to Kentucky. Um, I've lived in D.C., I've lived in Virginia, in South Carolina, and Kentucky just gives me, like, the so slower pace of life. I feel like that's what I need right now. But I'm going back to the East Coast because I'm an East Coast girl. She's like, I'm an East Coast girl. Well, come and visit us in Maryland. We'd love to see you. I'm at Morgan State University, so we would love to see you at My some homegirl Tamara goes there. Yes. Yeah, I know Tamara well. <laughs> know Tamara well um what would you want alumni which I happen to be one what would you want alumni of your HBCU Kentucky State University to know about your current experience it's different but I definitely wish that a lot more alumni would speak positive about the university and to really help bring back the tradition because I feel like it's long. You feel the traditions. What traditions are you speaking of? Specific? So I'm, you're speaking to me. I'm, I'm an alum like, of, of Kentucky the, State University. Tell the, me what you want me and people like me to do more of for Kentucky State University. Honestly, just, and this is really on the students, I would say, because they be in their rooms, but like just the energy, talking to alumni, they like, you know, we... Y'all made a way out of no way. Like, I went to the Academic Service Building, and I looked at the yearbook, and I'm like, y'all had so many clubs and organizations. Y'all just look like y'all had genuine fun. So, like, kind of show us the rope. Like, how can we bring that type of vibe and atmosphere back to campus? Okay, okay. I'm writing notes. I'm writing notes because we, we need to help make that happen. We need to help encourage that to happen. And I always say, and again, I'm talking to myself. I always say that um, sometimes alumni don't do as much as they could and should to allow those who are there to know what can, what, what they can be. So we, we need, we Tosin, Tosin and the rest <laughs> of the alum who went through those beautiful halls um, um, at Kentucky State University could do a but little bit better. to the alumni that go hard, I love y'all. Y'all are good you. people. Yes. Y'all are good yes. people. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, with love comes responsibility of action, right? And I mm -hmm. hear that you love your HBCU and you love the experience and the time that you've had at Kentucky State University. Um, and I'm not putting you on the spot. I just want you to share with us. And she's like, she's been putting me on this. She's like, yeah, you are. You're putting me on the spot. Yeah. Okay. So I am putting you on the spot. <laughs> what are you and Naya doing um, at and for your HBCU that you are most proud of? I want you to brag on yourself with regards to the things that you're doing at Kentucky State University. So success beyond post-graduation is something that I'm truly passionate about and I feel is super important. Like I always ask my peers who, you know, were in their senior year when I was a freshman or a sophomore, like, when the four years are up, what have you done? What have hmm. you accomplished? Hmm. So I can say being a career service ambassador, a Thurgood Marshall, a college fund yard ambassador and influencer, being a White House HBCU scholar, I definitely focus on like, how can I make sure that students on campus have had at least one or two internships before they graduated? Hmm. 
hmm. that we're having career fairs or lunch and learn events where it's like getting the students thinking like, what is it going to look like for me after graduation? How can I create a LinkedIn account that really stands out or how can my resume be that six-figure resume? So definitely just encouraging my peers to have fun, but also think about what comes next. Because these four years fly by and senior year has been flying by. October has somewhere to be. So just thinking like, what are you going to do next? So working in those spaces, like a career service department, really finding ways for students to figure out what they're going to do next. I don't want to helping them provide uh, scholarship opportunities and internship opportunities. As well. you, you sound like you've been extremely active while you've been in college. You rattled off a, a number of things like it's nothing. But they, they are accomplishments that you should absolutely be proud of. And I hope that even if you don't know it, that there are others at Kentucky who are looking at you and are like, Anaya Chambers, I don't want to be her because there's only one you, but I like I the pathway that she has set and the example that she set. And that should inspire me to possibly look into some of those things that she is doing. Um this this isn't this isn't a question to um i always think it's slightly unfair to ask somebody what's next because that might put a little bit of pressure on them so this isn't a question to put pressure on you but i do want to know especially for somebody like you who's already been doing so much and like you said you had you already started off with a with a non-traditional pathway into college by being in the army even before you know your first year and then the university working with you through that what does the future look like post may 10th 2024 for anaya chambers what are you looking forward to not what's next what are you looking forward to what do you have your eyes set on starting law school for sure starting law school but um the summer I graduate, I will be going to advanced camp for United States Army ROTC. And then in December, I plan to commission a second lieutenant. So looking forward to what that would be like, but also starting law school and really being an adult. I heard it's not fun out there, but, you know, I can't really stop time and go back. So just going to law school and finding my footing in the adult space. So can can I give you a little bit of advice that I don't think everybody takes? I did not take it. Um, adulting does not have to be as hard as um, some of us experience it. <laughs> and it is okay to reach out. It is absolutely okay to reach out. Even if somebody doesn't respond, even if somebody doesn't give you the response you would like to hear adulting adulting gets a little easier when you've got a good support system and your support system sometimes comes from the most surprising of spaces so it is perfectly Mm -hmm. okay to reach out as you enter into this world of adulting but it already sounds as if you've got a pretty good foundation to jump spring into adulthood just based on everything that i'm hearing that you're doing anaya 
Before we end, before we we close out this episode, could you please share with the audience something amazing? You're doing so many things. Something amazing that you are embarking on, that you're already working on, that you're like, hold on, I want people to know about this. Tell us what that thing is. Good. You don't have to think about it. I'm not currently working on this, but it is in my future plans. Let's hear it. It it is in her future plans to write a book. So since you're not currently writing. So since you're not currently writing it, could you, again, nosy me, I'm just being nosy. Do you have a potential teaser title or do you have a potential teaser subject? Is it going to be self-help? Is it going to be my time at Kentucky State University as a black girl from Wisconsin? Is it, what, what's, the, what's the teaser? I wanna write a book about just the transparency of being a person who has had to live up to expectations that my parents, family, mentors, just people have, held for me um and like the transparency behind all of that so like behind the scenes of when you're not being strong when you're not doing it all doing everything like what what is that like how do you show up for yourself how do you maintain a good mental health and just really find your soul identity outside of your expectations that's what i would write a book on you brought up a lot of things in there. I just want to tease one, just one thing there, because I, I, I've we we interviewed another young lady at another at another HBCU, and she said something similar, which makes me wonder: Do you think there is a lot of pressure on our students to live up to expectations that they may not necessarily have chosen to live up to themselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you think there is a fear, uh, a fear, apprehension, they belong to the same family, um, that they have failed if they don't live up to those expectations? I wouldn't say it's a fear of failure, but it's that D word, disappointment. It's like you're almost disappointing the people who had those expectations in you. For example, it'd be something as simple as, and this is not true, but me saying, telling my parents and my mentors like, hey, I'm not going to law school. I don't want to do it. I ain't got it in me. I think I'm just going to get a master's and see where that takes me. They'd be so disappointed. Hmm. Hmm. It'd be like, no, you need to go to law school. You said you were going to go to law school. You'd be a great attorney. And I'm like, I don't see that for me. Yeah. yeah. I just want a master's degree. <laughs> yeah. It'd be like, I'm disappointed. Like, disapp- I'm happy for you. I'm proud of you. I know you'll do amazing things, but I'm disappointed because you didn't push yourself. Hmm. You didn't, hmm. you didn't go for that degree, that highest degree that you could have. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, but I'm going to law school. She's like, she's like, listen, that was, that was just an example. Now I'm going to law school. I'm going to law school. So Anaya, we started this conversation off. Heavy. (laughs) Heavy. We started this conversation off 
Um, and somewhere within your commentary, you shared the need for people to be able to change their minds. And the fact that if an elderly um, um, person, i.e. somebody post in your, you said post 65, I'm going to say post 80, because that's what we currently have, right? They're set in their ways and it's a little harder for them to change their minds. So I want to bring it to the comment you just made. You are not 65 or 80. You are much, much, much younger. I know you gave it as an example. But based on everything you just said, I hope you give yourself permission that if you feel like changing your mind, it is perfectly okay. She's going to be a lawyer, guys. We know this. However, if you, if you change your mind about anything, based on this book that we're going to read from you one day, I hope you give yourself permission to do so and not feel that you're disappointing anybody if you decide not to. I'm just going to leave it at that, okay? <laughs> just going to leave okay. it there. <laughs> um, Anaya, finish this sentence for me. In 10 years, I will... Have traveled to 10 different countries. Give us a teaser of what one of those countries are. I don't know. I really just want to travel the world. I love it. I love it. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. 10 different countries. And because we're going to be following your pathway, we'll get to see what those countries are. So I love it. Okay. Um, as we end this episode, leave our audience with a parting word or short phrase on why you love either your HBCU or HBCUs. It's prime time to be black, be proud. Yeah. It's prime time. I'm sure Coach Prime is going to love this. It's prime time. Shout out to Deion Sanders. <laughs> oh my God. Shout out to Deion Sanders. It is prime time. No, it's a, no legit. Like, it is now. I, I mean, I'm always proud to be black, but like, I just feel like in the times and days now, be, be proud, proud to be black. To be black. That is why you love your HBCUs. Yes, because it's, it's gosh, HBCUs, we consistently celebrate and uplift blackness. It's rich in history and in culture, so. Yeah. Anaya Fun Chambers, be, be black and proud. You, you are glowing. <laughs> you are amazing. Oh, thank you. Um, you are my Kentucky State University sister. I thank you for being my most amazing guest on this episode. I have enjoyed our moments together. Thank you for letting me throw you deep into that heavy political engagement earlier on. She's going to scold me for this after we get off, and that's perfectly okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone has enjoyed um, listening to Anaya Chambers from Kentucky State University on this episode of I Love My HBCU Question Mark. I also hope that I have earned the pleasure of you subscribing to I Love My HBCU Question Mark and liking this episode. Yours in HBCU love. See you next episode. Thanks, Anaya. Bye. You've been listening to I Love My HBCU Question Mark. Let's keep the conversation going as we share our stories and encourage more practical support of HBCUs, whilst, of course, holding each other accountable. Don't forget to follow and subscribe for the latest episodes. Until next time, love and lift your HBCU.